Watch the breakdown. To hey the guys. breakdown, episode three now. Yep. Um, we're doing a week six outlook um, yep. today. But first, let's get into something a little more serious. Um, yeah. We have a lot of controversy in college football right now. We do. Around two major programs. Well, mm-hmm. one major program and one power five or group of five uh, program. Mm-hmm. We're going to start off with a major program, uh, Maryland. So there was something that came out in the news recently, um, as reported first by uh, Bleacher Report, a mother of a current Maryland player um, wrote a letter and uh, basically described that DJ Durkin is a psychopath that believes that he has the power of God. Um, so let's get, let's, let's jump into him first. We'll, we'll give, I'll give you the timeline, a little context behind this whole issue. <coughs> So in December, we're going to go all the way back to his hire in 2015 um, because the year after in January, um, he hires Rick Court as a strength coach, and that's very important to remember as the timeline goes on. Um, And then we jump into this year. There's nothing for two years um, until May 29th during summer practices. Um, An O-lineman, Jordan McNair, is hospitalized after signs of heat stroke and exhaustion. Yeah. where later, um, probably a week or two after he's been, he was hospitalized for about two weeks. Uh, and then June 13th, he dies in the hospital. Um, ESPN later confirms that the heat stroke was the main cause of that. Yeah. Um, and dehydration, uh, the day after Maryland holds a press conference and announces that an internal investigation will happen. Yeah. Um, and on August 10th, uh, we hear reports about a toxic culture that DJ Durkin and Rick court are both, um, Involved in, including intimidation, humiliation, and verbal abuse, as well as um, unhealthy eating habits with small portions for the athletes. Um, Durkin then, on the same day, sends sends a letter to the parents of the players saying that there will be a report that comes out that will, quote, prompt questions. And pretty much just leaves it at that. Yeah. And then uh, DJ Durkin is still under administrative leave. There is no indication that he will come back anytime soon. So, Lana, with this new piece of evidence coming out, it just seems like there's a mountain on mountaintop yeah. of what's DJ Durkin. What is DJ Durkin's future? I wouldn't. Well, first of all, he needs to be fired, Agreed. in my opinion. Agreed. And I don't think he should ever have a chance to coach again if he doesn't show signs of better coaching or just caring about his players as a head coach you have to care about your players not only talent but physical health and it's obvious that he doesn't do that and he's been verbally abusive to his players obviously he doesn't care anything about them all he cares about is himself in this case so I don't think he deserves a job ever (laughs) yeah so this is a this is a simple case of yeah. wanting the good old days to keep going. Yeah. And I think that we're seeing in this current climate in today's society that the good old days can't happen. Yeah. But I think that DJ Durkin is um, he is using his power yeah. too much. I, I think I almost agree with that woman. Yeah. Um, maybe not to the godlike sense, mm-hmm. but she he's definitely abusing his power. And I yeah. think that the problem when you get that is you face mm-hmm. players like Jordan McNair who mm-hmm. get 
too exhausted, mm-hmm. especially in 110 degree yeah. heat during practice. Mm-hmm. You've got to you've got to hydrate your players. You have to feed your players. Also, mm-hmm. they're not just mules or mm-hmm. slaves that go and do your work, get the job done, get the wins. Yeah. These are human beings yeah. that need to be cared for. These are 18 to 22 year olds yeah. that need to be cared for. That mm-hmm. still have. Um, that are still moldable. Mm-hmm. And I think what you, what you see from DJ Durkin is he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He just cares about the wins. Yes, and you have to respect progress in your players. You cannot expect them to be superhuman, and they're not ever going to be that. So as a coach, you have to be patient with your players, and you also have to make sure that they are 100% physically, emotionally, like mentally there. And through the verbal abuse, that shows that he doesn't care about their mental health. And by letting, like, the heat stroke and that kind of stuff happen, it's obviously doesn't care about their physical health either. And it's very common for head coaches to get in their head and think that they are some type of God, that they are over this program and that it's all about them. And if they don't get what they want, they can do whatever they want to anyone under them as long as they stay at the top. And that's just not the case at all. You're put in that position to not only win games, but to improve on the player's talent and help them improve, but also make sure that they are physically and mentally healthy. Yeah, and I'm also, I'm honestly surprised that he still has a coaching job right now. I mean, he's, I, it's, he's, it's, it's ridiculous. He's still he hasn't been fired. It's ridiculous. He's just been placed on administrative leave. Um, I think that if you keep him on this staff and you keep his mm-hmm. name in your program, yeah. Only bad things can come from this, and especially what, if it like, comes back. And what makes me upset is how long did people know about this before it was actually out to the media? Yeah. What does that say about their athletic department? Just or shows. what does it say about their players not coming and saying something about it? They're obvious, obviously that it was something really bad going on within the um, verbal abuse and the humiliation, the intimidation. They were scared. They were just scared football players, but somebody should have come forward about it. I know that's easier said than done. But between the players and the athletic department, they needed it. I don't know. It just it really makes me question the athletic department. Well, I think that's what you see when you have a coach that rules by fear. Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on from the Maryland topic and focus now on something that happened more recently, yeah. um, and actually I find kind of silly mm-hmm. um, that he that this coach even did this. Um, UMass head coach Mark Whipple during the Ohio game um, was obviously frustrated about about a lot of calls, but in a post game interview, um, he described um, the coverage mm-hmm. as rape, um, and the and the quote was, "We had a chance there." Was 16 down, and they, being Ohio, rape us. And he picks up the flag. Now, he was generalized, but specifically toward the head referee that night, which was a, which was a woman, by the way, Amanda uh, Sawyer. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Either. I get, I get where he's coming any from. Any other word. I get where he's coming from in the sense that the pass interference was probably obvious, yeah. but say it like that. Please yeah. do not use the word rape There are so in many adjectives you could use. <laughs> so many. <laughs> yeah, we were being smothered. Um, at, you, literally anything. I think that just wasn't a, He wasn't thinking when he said that, honest, yeah. honestly. And, and this is the problem that I think I have most when you get a coach or when you get a player 
in the heat of the moment in an immediate post-game interview. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of stuff that happens. I'm sure he didn't mean it for, for this to be in this context, and I'm sure he didn't mean it to um, take a shot <laughs> at Amanda. But when this is what happens when you get yeah. in front of a mic. You have to control your feelings, and you have to understand the situation. Yeah, and, and he just... As a head coach, he should know post-game press conferences. And on top of that, he should know the culture that he's in. And that is 2018 and saying something like rape in the world we're in now. Y'all know. Like, it's don't do it. Like, just don't create that controversy. That makes your program look so bad just because of something that you say. Now, Whipple is, of course, suspended for this week. Yes. Um, he's gonna, he's not going to be coaching. Um, is actually doing nothing coaching related. UMass has said that, um, and he will also go through a week long sensitivity training program by the university. Do you think that that's enough, um, or do you think it should be harsher? Do you think it should be lessened? I don't know if it should be harsher because this is the first time he's come up with something like this. Mm-hmm. We don't really see a lot of stuff on his record. Um, that I know of, so I don't think it should be necessarily too harsh, but something to the extent that makes him actually think about what he's saying, especially yeah. in post-game press conferences. I think the sensitivity training is a good idea. Yeah, it's it's a good thing I to do. sort of just explain to this man because this is this is another thing too is you've got older coaches who are coaching in this in this day and age, and I think a sensitive sensitivity training program is great because it gives the Gives the coach an opportunity for someone else to come in that situation and go, hey, this is probably how it's better to deal with. Now, um, I think that going forward, he should be very careful because yeah. we've seen from many coaches, Alabama, we see Nick Saban, we see Urban Meyer, obviously not a good example this year. But other big coaches, when they get in those press conferences, they handle themselves. Mm-hmm. I think this is just a case of emotions got the best of him. Yeah, I do too. So that is the biggest news um, going around college football right now. And thankfully, we're going to move on to the biggest games of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, week six is kind of odd. It seems like there's a, there's definitely a lot of ranked teams playing this week, um, but not necessarily great matchups. Mm-hmm. But um, one matchup that sticks out uh, predominantly among the, the field is number 22, Florida, hosting uh, number five, LSU. Now, LSU... Um, I would give the advantage to just because they have the better quarterback. Um, this is definitely a new-looking LSU, um, and I I credit that to the fact that Joe Burrow came in. I think that Ed Orgeron, like I said in week one, um, Ed Orgeron was just sort of waiting for this next piece to come into their system and just elevate them that much. Um, and even though UF is looking better uh, each mm-hmm. week, they're 4-1, but I think that this is a matchup mm-hmm. that does not favor them. Yeah. I think that the only way um, Florida wins is if they stop the pass. Yeah. Joe Burrow has 1,023 yards already, only six touchdowns, mm-hmm. but he has zero picks. Yeah. So he's an efficient quarterback. If you can get to him early and often and create heavy pressure, I think that you are automatically um, going to contend in that game. Mm -hmm. His favorite target is Justin Jefferson, 18 catches, Mm -hmm. 294 yards, two TDs. Um, So for that, I Mm -hmm. think it is most important for them. Also to gain momentum early and apply the heat, Mm -hmm. mix up the play calling, Mm -hmm. be aggressive on third down defensively and offensively. They're they're struggling a lot, and this also goes Mm -hmm. into how LSU can win. Mm -hmm. LSU... 
I think one of the main things for this team is that Joe Burrow completes over 50% of his passes. Uh-huh. We've seen when he does that, he they win the games. Um, mm-hmm. Against Auburn, was a back-and-forth mm-hmm. battle. Only completed 44%, mm-hmm. and guess what? He had to rely on the win mm-hmm. from a kicker. Um, they narrowly escaped, as you like to so nicely call it, the barn. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and important for LSU defense to step up. Yeah. Um, if they can get to Franks early, um, UF is not good in third down. Uh, they have a 39 uh, third down conversion percentage. Yep. That's 63rd in the nation. To mm-hmm. sort of um, wrap your mind around that, Liberty has a 41.79% uh, mm-hmm. third down conversion rate. That is 47th in the nation. So the gap between yeah. a major SEC program and an up-and-coming um, independent program, that kind of shocks me. Yeah. And I think that that's why... Mm-hmm. Florida's not going to pull this yeah. off is because they cannot convert on third down. They couldn't do it against teams like Colorado State and um, and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can't do that, how are you expected to win against a team that is showing a lot of promise in the SEC? Yeah. I agree, but something that Florida does have going for them is they have home field advantage, and Gainesville is not a fun place to play, especially if you are an SEC foe. But and they also leave lead all time with 32, 29, and three all time versus LSU. But a key for Florida, if they do win this game, is this is a new test for Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. So they need to keep that in mind. Florida also leads the SEC in defense and second in the FBS in pass defense. So they have that going for them. And so if they can just keep the mindset that Joe Burrow is just another quarterback, but it's also a new test for him, um, and that they could get the stops on defense and get their offense out there and keep their offense out there, I think they possibly have a chance, um, but I don't see them winning. For LSU, um, they do have a young offense, and so that is really a lot of talk going around saying that they have a young offense and they don't need to let that get the best of them, saying that they're a young offense because they have been – doing pretty well however they are one of the worst um offensively based teams in the sec right now um which is kind of shocking being number five in the country but stats are stats um so this will be a test for lsu maybe one of their biggest tests thus far aside from auburn um but lsu is three and two against the spread that's an important uh, statistic to look at but um lsu has to win on big plays um joe burrow like you said needs to be consistent Mm -hmm. completing 50 percent of his passes you know convert on third downs that's something that lsu is going to have to do but i agree with you my pick is also lsu yeah that game is is something to look at i Mm -hmm. think not only for SEC fans, but yeah. for uh, the college football playoff because those rankings mm-hmm. come out soon. Yep. And if LSU gets this win, that's a key victory over Florida mm-hmm. um, because they'll still look at it as a top 25 team. That's something that um, the committee likes to put um, mm-hmm. as high priority on your resume. Yep. Um, then again, we've had three years of it, four years of it, and we yeah. don't really know still what the committee yep. looks for. <laughs> They say they have these things and we don't know. Yeah. But LSU, um, I think, is just they're I think they're just a better team. Yeah. And I agree, I agree with the young defense uh, or the young offense, and that can be um, almost a crutch. Yeah. Uh, that a lot of coaches will use is oh well, well we've got it or Ed Orgeron's voice oh we gotta we got a yeah. young offense. <laughs> um, well you know I think that's what's gonna propel them through this game is that mm-hmm. they have a young offense yeah. they have a lot of young talent that's ready to um, ready to eat 
Mm-hmm. They're ready to uh, to taste some gator. They're I like that perspective. I like yeah. that perspective. I think that I think that you'll see a I think you'll see an explosive LSU team mm-hmm. this week okay. this weekend. All right. So we're moving on to the next game. Um, it's also another SEC yes. uh, conference matchup. Uh, Texas A and M three and two. Um, Jimbo Fisher getting his team ready for a big test against up and coming yeah. number thirteen Kentucky. Kentucky. Yep, that's right. But the game is in College Station, so it's going to be a big game. College Station is one of the hardest um, places to compete in, but um, Kentucky is definitely—they're um, not the favorite, but they are five and zero, so they do have a reputation um, this year as being a winning program. So I just can't get past that but um (laughs) this is actually um texas a&m and kentucky's first football meeting together as sec members um and stoops and bob stoops is facing his old boss he was a defensive coordinator for fsu um with jimbo fisher so that's a little interesting fact about um this matchup um but texas a&m is favored by six so the um the aggies are favored um To me, this is the battle of the running backs with Benny Snell Jr. and Trayvon Williams. We talk about Benny Snell all the time, but Texas A&M fans like, no, we have Trayvon Williams. And so uh, Benny Snell has 639 total yards, but Trayvon Williams has 582. So he's up there um, with the top running backs in the SEC, if you will. Um, But a key for Kentucky in this game is to reassert the offensive line. Kentucky was shut out the second half versus USC, um, USC being South Carolina, not Southern California, just to clarify. But um, they're going to have to reassert their offensive line. They're going to have to lock up. They're going to have to um, be able to create space for Benny Snell if they have a chance to win this game. Um, um, and Benny Snell in general. give the, like He has to be successful in this game. And in result of that, the um, offensive line needs to be on point. Um and a key for A&M, uh, two keys for A&M, actually. Um, they have one of the top um, rush defenses in the FBS. That's something to look at. And um, because of that, they need to take advantage of the crowd. Um, the crowd in um, College Station is ridiculous, and um, they are very loud, and so they need to use that to their advantage um, to motivate, obviously, on the field, and also to um, rely on them in some sort of way um against the Wildcats um I feel like it's one of those crowds that if you go in it's just it's really hard it's really hard to get the job done there just like Death Valley places like Death Valley and even Auburn um they're um they're very hard um places to play but I do give Texas A&M uh the victory yeah I I think this game's gonna be a test for Kentucky and I said this going in because even though Texas A&M is three and two, oh, I think I'm sorry. It, I I think I had I had Kentucky. Yeah, I didn't have A&M. I have okay. Kentucky. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think even though A&M's three and two, uh, they're still a scary team. Yeah. And they are. like you mentioned, Trayvon Williams uh, is definitely someone to look at. Also, their quarterback um, has 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns this mm-hmm. year. That's how. A&M wins if as, yeah. if those if that tandem of Mond of Mond and Williams can get through um, through Kentucky's defense because Kentucky's defense is not really all that strong when it mm-hmm. when you look at college football as a whole and so it's very important for the offense to assert themselves in this game if A&M has a chance 
they obviously have home field advantage. And like you mm-hmm. say, College Station is definitely a hard place to play in. But sometimes we see that home field advantage doesn't really play in their favor. Ask Penn State this weekend, this yeah. past weekend. Home field advantage does not always matter. Yeah. And so it's important for the offense to step up and then also stay on the field long enough for your defense to come off after a solid drive to mm-hmm. to recover mm-hmm. and get ready yeah. for the next series because this is the third best rush defense in the nation. Mm-hmm. They're giving up 80.6 yards of carry AM is mm-hmm. 80.6. I, I'd like to see the other two teams that are above them because 80 yards a, a carry or 80 yards a game is insane. Mm-hmm. Now, their pass defense, on the other hand, struggling heavily. 109th right mm-hmm. now in the nation with two hundred yeah. around 272 yards a, mm-hmm. a game. And I think the key for AM defensively to is to stop Terry Wilson mm-hmm. and Benny Snell. I think if you stop Benny Snell, you expose Terry Wilson because Terry Wilson does not have very good stats. Only two yeah. touchdowns and five interceptions. That stat alone makes me lick my chops if I'm an AM defensive player. Yeah. All you have to do is get this man under pressure mm-hmm. and he is very vulnerable and susceptible mm-hmm. to throw an interception. Yeah. So that's something to look at for AM. Now, Kentucky on their other hand, they've got a five and win streak going on. They've got a five win streak going on right now, almost six. And the way that they can do this is Benny Snell, Benny Snell, Benny Benny Snell. He needs to get 15-plus carries. He is the, to me, when I look at him, he's the Mark Ingram of them. He's the Mm -hmm. Derrick Henry. He's the Ezekiel Elliott. He's that guy that everyone Mm -hmm. looks on the field, and yet they can't stop. And I think in order for him not only to Mm -hmm. assert himself in this game, but to assert himself in the Heisman conversation, he needs to to be there. Mm -hmm. Feed the beast, as I put in my notes. Feed the beast. Um, and when Snell gets working, when Snell is is on mm-hmm. fire and he's moving yeah. along, that's when Terry Wilson mm-hmm. can do his thing yeah. and hopefully improve that stat line that he mm-hmm. has right now. And if Kentucky can perform under pressure, being this being an away game in Kentucky, we feel like they go, start off well every year and then just kind of fall off. So I feel like this is the game where they're like, okay, is Kentucky legit or are they not? But if they can handle, they can manage the crowd and get Benny Snell going. They got this game won. Right. So I think this was this is the at least right now mm-hmm. this is the biggest test that they'll face. Oh yeah. Um, I think Mississippi State was definitely a test mm-hmm. last weekend, um, but we saw how much they how much they faced how much they squared off against yeah against the Wildcats. This is gonna be a toss up game though. I, I honestly mm-hmm. like. My pick is Kentucky, mm-hmm. but I am very close mm-hmm. to picking A and M. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I think do that's it. why I got so confused. I'm like, oh, I picked A and M, but I actually, like, when I go back and I'm looking at my notes, I did pick Kentucky, but I could very much see A and M winning this game yeah. as well. I see Jimbo absolutely. It's a fine line. Ready. Fine yeah. line. Yeah, this is this is a this is a line I wouldn't be willing to no. walk on. No. Um, Kentucky for me getting the sh- smallest of victories yeah. uh, this weekend. So now we move into the game day game, the yeah. Red River rivalry. Yeah. Texas, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas going into Norman. Obviously, uh, one of the biggest games in the in the Big Twelve. This one, I believe, wh- whoever you see this game, uh, whoever you see win this game, will assert themselves in the Big Twelve conversation. Mm-hmm. Because if they can get if if especially Texas, if they can get past Oklahoma mm-hmm. and they can get a statement victory, mm-hmm. I think that that shocks a lot of people in the country, oh, yeah. and that shocks a lot of people in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. makes a lot of teams scared for them, yep. 
But Texas, like we said um, in our show yesterday, has a very tough schedule going ahead. Um, but I give the advantage to Oklahoma, and definitely my pick. That's a lock for me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. The better quarterback is obviously Kyler Murray. Oh, I think there's no sure. question he is one of the um, hottest quarterbacks right now mm-hmm. in the country. And OU's already proven in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. The thing for the thing that Texas kind of has with them is they're the underdog, and they are attempting to regain the relevance that they once had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's something that Tom Herman is probably going to heavily mm-hmm. focus on this week during practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really easy for OU, for me, just play OU football. You know, run up the score. Mm-hmm. Throw the ball like crazy. Kyler Murray, 432 it's yards, seven 12. total You're touchdowns. You're known for offense. Exactly. The defense is not going to play that much of a factor mm-hmm. when you see a, when you see a guy like Kyler Murray out on the field. Um, yes, it was Baylor that he <laughs> ran up the score on, but it was still Baylor. Yeah. And I think that in order for Oklahoma to win, they need to put up at least 40. Mm-hmm. Now, Texas... Somehow they are leading this series 60, 44, and 5 um, in this matchup. History is on that side, yep. and I think they need to use that as, a, as their uh, motivational tool. Their defense, however, specifically the pass defense, needs to step up. Not, because, not only because they're playing Kyler Murray, but because they are ranked 65th in the nation, allowing 218 yards per game. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyler Murray does that in his sleep. So <laughs> for the defense... This, they're my main focus this week. They need to be better. The offense needs to be just as good because yeah. if you cannot score, you can't score that many points um, mm-hmm. just by your defense. Defense is not going to get you. They'll get you maybe one touchdown mm-hmm. if you're too lucky. Um, and I think that this could be a shootout in Norman. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see, though, how yeah. Kyler Murray yeah. steps up. Yeah. Um, OU is, de- is a 7.5 favorite over the Longhorns, and I think that is very – like not generous at all. I feel like OU is gonna blow them out. Honestly, if you want me to be honest with you, um, but OU has won six out of the last eight meetings. But the Longhorns are five and zero against the spread out of the last five meetings. So two words for you: spread offense in this game. That's just a heavily every article that I've read. It's spread offense, spread offense, spread offense, and their history. And the spread offense for both of these programs. So instead of key factors, I'm going to say why Oklahoma can cover the spread and why Texas can cover the spread. So why OU can cover it is because this is the shortest um, spread offense that the Sooners have faced this season. So they've they've had experience this season covering the spread to a more elite level. So I feel like they can cover it probably better than Texas could, in my opinion. But the Longhorns can cover it um, because they have wins against quality teams who run it, and that's TCU and USC. And they beat TCU um, 31-6 and USC 37-14. to So those are quality wins for the Longhorns. However, I do have the seniors going away with this one. Yeah. No, let's say – Let's just say that Texas pulls this one off. Let's say that they do. And let's say the margin is by 7 or 10. Let's say it's 10. Do you think after that loss, if, if, if Oklahoma gets that loss on their record, do you think that they can survive and make a playoff? I, I don't see it. I don't see that they can make the playoff if they lose this game. Um, maybe if they win out and something crazy happens in the top five, but the top four even, um, I don't see it. I think they can survive it. 
And I think they can survive it because, you know, there's a, there's a pretty good separation between OU and the rest of the pack right now. Um, but it's not by far. It's mm-hmm. I think last year with Baker, we saw that there was a considerable uh, distance between Oklahoma and the rest of the field. Now you're seeing teams like Texas, mm-hmm. teams like Oklahoma State, teams like TCU, West Virginia. You're seeing a lot more mm-hmm. parity now. And I think yeah. Oklahoma's still built for a champ for a playoff run. I don't think they're built for a championship run. Yeah. I think they're built for a playoff run. Um mm-hmm. But they are going to need a lot of help. Yes. If they lose to Oklahoma, they are going to, or if they lose to Texas, they're going to have to rely on other teams. It yes. can't just be a win, win out the and rest of the season. I think that's going to be the hardest thing to do. Yeah. But um, it can happen. Then it's the discussion of if they lose, but then win the Big Twelve. It's a one-loss Big Twelve team, or insert whatever you want to put in there mm-hmm. in that scenario. But I think that I think they have a shot, but they're going to definitely need a lot of help. Mm-hmm. So now we go into the rest of the field. Um, we're just going to sort of rapid fire these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, first game at noon on ESPN, uh, Alabama, Arkansas. I think this one's pretty obvious. Have Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. <laughs> I think this is this is no contest. Mm-hmm. Um, also at noon on ABC, number 15, Michigan and Maryland. Michigan. Yes, I think amid this whole scenario that that Maryland's facing, I think it just adds to the the amount of struggles that they have ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But watch out for Michigan's offense. They're looking very explosive, mm-hmm. um, and that's probably one of the last things you'll hear about compliments for them from me. Uh, number 20, Michigan State, Northwestern, 12 o'clock on FS1. Who do you have in this one? I got the Spartans. Yeah, I think the Spartans are just too good. West Virginia, Northwestern's always a um, – they're a Midwest kind of team. They are a rough and tough team that will surprise people, but not Sparty. <laughs> also at noon on ESPN2, number 9, West Virginia against 2-3 and three Kansas. West Virginia, let me look at – where is this at? I have it written down, but I This should have be it pretty obvious. I my, mean, unless if you have well, Kansas. Well, yes, West Virginia. Unless if you have Kansas. I was going to say, this should be pretty obvious I was just trying to one. read my handwriting. <laughs> it's yeah. bad when you can't even read your own handwriting. You're but right. I do have the Mountaineers. Yeah, the Mountaineers definitely in a landslide. Um, <laughs> 12.30 on the ACC Networks for all you ACC fans. Number 23, NC State and Boston College. I have NC State. I'm going to take... Boston College in this one. I think that there's okay. an upset of Bruin. A.J. Dillon okay. is a very good running back, um, and it's only a four-point. They only have NC State as a four-point favorite. Don't be surprised if the Golden Eagles pull hey, off an upset here. I'm not saying I'm surprised. I'm just saying I got the wolf back. So. There we go. I, I'm going to I'm gonna pull off a, an upset here. I, I got to get one after that Syracuse one. I got to get it. Yeah. 3.30 p.m. ESPN2, number five, 25, number 25, Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Oklahoma State. Yeah, they're playing at home, and <laughs> Iowa State. They shocked it's not everyone. Fun. They shocked everyone last year. Not yeah, this year. Not this Oklahoma year. State all the way. Three thirty on ESPN. Clemson and Wake Forest. Now, Atlanta. Clemson is coming off a very surprising and a very hurtful uh, week. Do you mm-hmm. think that they can still survive it against Absolutely. the Demon Deacons? Absolutely. I got the I got the Clemson Tigers. For I want to see. I don't think. I want to see. How Trevor Lawrence recovers from yeah. this week, I think that that's very important. Now, not saying Chase Bryce isn't isn't yeah. capable, and not saying I'm not going to pick Clemson, but um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they perform. Yes, exactly. But Clemson, 
for both of us. 3.30 p.m. as well, ABC, number 17, Miami, and the Florida State Seminoles. I have Miami. Let's see. What do I have? Miami as well. Um, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Florida State looks like they look good after their win against Louisville, but um, I just don't see it against, this, against the turnover chain in Miami. Mm. 4 o'clock p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, number 21, newcomer in the top 25, Colorado, against Herm Edwards mm-hmm. and the Sun Devils. I have Colorado. Yeah, I think Colorado is mm-hmm. – Dr. An interesting Blosser team to look would at. be proud. Dr. Blosser, if you're listening <laughs> to the show, you would be very proud that we are picking a Colorado team. <laughs> if you, for those of you who don't know, that is a uh, professor um, in the sport management department. So 7 o'clock p.m., a primetime game on ESPN – uh, Texas A&M, Kentucky. I think we both already have this one down yes, Kentucky. as Kentucky. 7 o'clock as well on ESPNU, number 12, UCF, uh, the quote-unquote national champions from last year, and the SMU Mustangs. Yeah, I have the UCF non-2017 national Amen, champions. amen. UCF gets the win <laughs> but does not get the national championship. No, they do not. 7.30, Georgia and Vanderbilt. I got the dogs. Yeah, the dogs, this should be an easy one. <laughs> um, they have not been looking like themselves lately. No, I agree. But I think they'll get it together. Yeah. Auburn, Mississippi State. I got the barn, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I think, unfortunately, uh, Joe Moorhead suffers back-to-back losses. So now we move on to 7.30 on Fox, number 10, Washington, and winless Chip mm. Kelly and the UCLA Bruins. Mm. I feel like Pac-12's only hope. I go with um, the Washington Huskies. Yeah, I think that this is this is weird. It's it's Washington is the only hope for the playoff, and I feel like Chip they're Kelly, always their only hope. Yes, and Chip Kelly is hoping that they get a win. Yeah, um, but this is definitely Washington. On BTN at seven thirty, number sixteen, Wisconsin facing off against winless. Uh, Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers. I gotta go with the Wisconsin. I'm I'm really upset. I was really hoping that Scott <laughs> Frost would get a win at some point this season. I I, I just don't see it this week either. No. Nope. <laughs> um, so Wisconsin in that game, eight o'clock on ABC. Uh, also a very important mm-hmm. game for playoff implications. Number six Notre Dame traveling to number twenty four Virginia Tech. I have the Fighting Irish for this one. Yeah. Virginia Tech is just very iffy. I mean, you They're get beat by Old Dominion, then you beat Duke. I don't, I don't get it. There's not a lot of consistency over there um, in Blacksburg. And you get beat by Old Dominion. I mean, it was at Old Dominion. I'll give them that. But He shouldn't have been that. That's, that's no. why we're talking about home field advantage, and I don't think that that should have played a factor. No. Um, but this is a different fighting. This is a different fighting Irish yeah. team with Ian Book. Yeah. And I see them absolutely winning this game. And the final game... Uh, number 14, Stanford and Utah, 10.30 on ESPN. Yes, I have Stanford for this one. Yeah, they, they suffered a loss uh, to, what was it, Oregon? Or no, that was in Oregon. Uh, they suffered a loss, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see them bouncing back, no doubt. So those are the games um, this week for the mm-hmm. top 25. Um, we're also going to do uh, something that we love to do, going for two. Going for two. So this is where we pick two matchups that are not necessarily um, being viewed um, by everyone and is sort of under the radar. Of course, one that we will always have in there is a Liberty game. So Liberty travels yet again mm-hmm. to New Mexico to play New Mexico State. Lana, yeah. who's your pick in this one? I have Liberty. Um, 
UNM, we went in there, and um, although second half was a little disappointing, still coming out with the win, um, UNM actually, um, the week before, competed against New Mexico State and beat them 42-25. to So um, I feel like we should use that to our advantage. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> going into New Mexico State. Although New Mexico State is at home, um, I feel like Liberty's got this one. Yeah, I think that this is a— I think when I was looking at the schedule, I, I figured that we were going to get one against against State. Um, and they have looked like the the worser of the two when mm-hmm. you're talking about New Mexico and New Mexico State. I just want a ball game. I do, too. I really <laughs> I do. I just want a ball game. I really do, too. We make history. For those of you who don't know, Liberty signed a two-year contract with the um, Cure Bowl to be a secondary option. So what that means is if – um, two teams from the respective conferences that will play in that do not meet the qualifications of a bowl game. Liberty will be the option as long as they win six games. So I've got Liberty in this one as well. The offense is looking good, um, but they need to look great this week. Yes. Uh, defense is looking good. Um, and I think as long as the offense can produce as many points as they did this past weekend, um, you will most definitely see another Flames victory. So the next game that we have, um, or at least that I have, you, do you have the same one? Um, yes, I do. Okay, the same one. So we're going with Cincinnati and Tulane. Cincinnati is a 5-0 and team right now, and they are quietly 5-0. and And another basketball school, if you will. Yes. They're um, pretty good at basketball. Yes. <laughs> They're also looking to go 6-0 and for mm-hmm. the first time since 2009. In that same year, they went undefeated and played in the Sugar Bowl. Um Tulane looked good last weekend. I watched that game while I was in New Mexico, one of the games uh, that I was able to watch. And they look like a good team, but Cincinnati, um, with former Ohio State uh, head coach and defensive coordinator Luke Fickle, um, I think that since he gets the dub, right? What a I name. think they get the win. Yeah, I got the Bearcats. So that is it for going for two. We are going to move into a new uh, segment in our show called Did You Know? Um, honestly, this one was kind of. Last minute, but mm-hmm. Lana loves having fun facts I about love each fun team. Facts. If y'all um, have been listening to us for a while, you know Spencer is more the statistical guy, and I am all about the fun facts. I feel like they do play a huge role in um, some games. So yep. um, we're going to continue to do fun facts. It's going to be called Lana's Fun Fact, and it's going to be based on wherever college game day is at that week. So for this week, it is the Red River rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma, and two fun facts um the lowest scoring game for um this rivalry was in 1905 when Oklahoma beat Texas two to nothing and that was Oklahoma's first win against Texas in this rivalry that's two to nothing two to nothing that's crazy safety um but also two years prior to that they played each other twice Yep. So. so in 1901 and 1903, they mm-hmm. played each other twice in the same year. I couldn't imagine Alabama playing Auburn twice in one year. But Liberty's playing New Mexico State twice hey, in the same they year. they are. So maybe Wouldn't we'll get, consider them a rivalry. But. Maybe we'll get one. <laughs> so I have a couple of did you knows. Did you know that the Texas State Fair actually donated the Golden Hat Trophy to this rivalry in 1941? It was originally called the Bronze Hat, and it was mm-hmm. actually a bronze hat until around the 1970s when they refurbished it and gave it a gold finish. So that's something that I found very interesting about this rivalry. Did you know the biggest comeback in this rivalry in history was in 1999 Mm -hmm. when Texas was trailing Mm 17-0 and ended up scoring 38 points to come back and win? 
um, over the Oklahoma Sooners. They outscored the Sooners in the second half, 38-11. to 11. Mm. Did you know <laughs> the longest punt return in UT history came from this Red River game in 1932, was 95 yards. Nice. Um, and it's, it's incredible that it's still holding to this day. Uh, did you know Pete Gardier, I'm going to say it like that, Pete, if you're listening, I would love if you <laughs> gave me an idea of what your name sounds like. But for now, Pete Gardier is the only quarterback in Red River history to go 4-0 against either team, and he mm. played for Texas. Nice. So he's the only quarterback in this history to go 4-0. Consistency, I like it. Exactly. And our final did you know, in 1951, Oklahoma had negative one yards passing in this game and still won nine to seven <laughs> that is incredible i love that stat watching the, looking at that stat um i felt bad for for texas i do I, too like why what did they do wrong i just i wish i could go back and watch this game but honestly wouldn't you love to see games like this yes. nowadays nine to seven nine does like, you you just don't see that you don't it's it was a different type of I game i mean the florida uh, was a florida mississippi state this past weekend, that was just really thirteen to six. Yeah, that's the that's, lowest. That's low. Even back in the late two thousands, um, mm-hmm. or I guess early, yeah, mid to late two thousands. You yeah. know, we had games in the SEC that was nine to six. Yeah, six to three. You know, those are the games that I wish I had mm. back and forth. Yeah. Uh, only by a field goal. My high school's biggest rivalry, actually, my junior year, um, that game came down to who was going to make it to the playoffs. So it was a huge game. We beat them 5-3. to three. <laughs> That's the score I love to hear. I love that. You would that. think it would be the most boring game ever, but honestly, it was incredibly stressful. That's awesome. Well, that's <laughs> did you know. Um, that's going to be a focal feature along with Lana's fun fact. Um, so make sure to continue to watch out for that. And if you have a fun fact about College Game Day and the in the matchup that's happening, go ahead and DM us yeah. um, on the breakdown at the breakdown CFB, mm-hmm. or email us at the at the breakdown CFB at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we would love to get some input on that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be cool. Now we're moving into a new segment as well called Really Dude. Um, <laughs> this is almost like you had one job on College Game Day, but it's better. And it's better because here I'm going to I'm going to describe this because it's better because a man this weekend bet sixteen hundred dollars on Alabama beating uh, Louisiana and honestly I would have bet five dollars and I would have gotten as much as this guy got. This guy bet sixteen hundred dollars and only got a dollar sixty back. First of all, why would you really, even man? bet? F- Really, man. For the Raging Cajuns. First of all, for that to even be a bet. The only way you get a payout is if you bet for Louisiana. And, 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 and the only way Louisiana wins is if Nick Saban gets hurt and is out for the rest of the year. Because if Nick Saban gets hurt, <laughs> everyone's scrambling. <laughs> everyone's scrambling. No one knows what to do there. Oh, that's... So, mm. if you have... If, only an Alabama fan oh. would, though. Only. Only um, an Alabama fan. I mean, Six, he may not even be an Alabama fan. 16, we don't know. But $1,600, though? Could you imagine the um, things that you could Lafayette. do for $1,600? I just... <laughs> really, really, dude? That's all I have to say. Uh, really, dude. Um, it's so embarrassing. If you guys have any uh, really, dude, moments from college football, mm. or any ones that you really just want you want us to say on the mm. air, um, go ahead and do the same thing. DM us, email mm. us. Um, Add us on Twitter um, yeah, or DM us on Twitter. Things. Everything. All, all the, the social media pages. All the social all media. The social media. <laughs> um, 
but that's going to be it for us today. Uh, week six is looking like it's going to be very uh, interesting. Exciting. Um, very excited for the rest of college football. It's kind of sad that we're almost halfway through. Mm. How crazy is that? It, week four, we were I'm not, mm. week four, we were thirty three percent of the way done. Yeah, but mm. I'm just I'm not ready for it to be over. I'm not, but we have a lot. It goes by way too fast. The best part is that we have a lot more football to talk. We do, we and do. for that, we're gonna sign off for week six. Uh, make sure to tune in on Sunday when we have our week six recap show. Yes. Until then, guys. See you later. Yep. Bye, guys.